Alrighty, good afternoon, everybody. This is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And hopefully you are not in a league that's actually playing fantasy football in Week 17. Uh, it's not something that's a wise decision. Uh, hopefully your leagues have wrapped up, but we will talk about some of the stuff if, in fact, you are still involved. But this is a, more or less a recap show on New Year's Eve. Wiz, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I think uh, most leagues play 16 weeks, but we're certainly going to go over the players that we like and don't like uh, this week uh, for those that are playing 17 weeks. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll be there uh, to help with that as well. Yeah, and it's not like I said. I mean, it's not smart. It, you you once you get to a situation where teams are clinching, and by the way, this is also in, in the past. It didn't happen this year, but it has impacted Week 16 as well, um, but not as frequently. But teams are going to rest a lot of players. Patrick Mahomes is not going to play. Uh, there's been a rash of COVID cases that have come out here in, in, in the last. Uh, 24 to 36 hours. You've got a number of injuries. Teams have kind of wrapped up their playoff spots. Ben Roethlisberger's not playing. So it's it's a tough situation to walk into week 17 and play fantasy football. I mean, you want to play on DraftKings and things like that. That's fine and dandy. But 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 uh, after playing 15, 16 weeks of football and then relying on week 17 to make a determination what's going to happen, I, I just think it's a huge mistake. You know, one thing that I think is very interesting is the fact that there aren't going to be, you know, I know Buffalo is going to have, I think, about 6,000 people in the stands for when they, when they play. But the, uh, what's happened, the dynamic of no fans in the stands has kind of changed the philosophy of some of these teams. I would guarantee you if you're talking about full capacity – Pittsburgh having a chance to be the number two seed or number three seed and being playing that potential matchup against the Bills at home in a situation with full capacity, I'm almost guaranteed you would not see the same philosophy as what they're doing this week. Um, so I think the element of, you know, no fans in attendance and the element of seven teams making the playoffs has really added a lot of excitement and uh, there's, there's a lot of different scenarios of who could play who and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get into that but uh, I just find it interesting because in the old days you know you're talking about the, 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 a team that has a chance to be the number two seed and then not playing their starters that would never ever ever happen in a million years so um, the, the dynamics are different this year and um and I think the philosophy has changed because of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's, a, it's a very very good point, and and I think it's it's interesting. You know, this has been kind of a remarkable year when you kind of look back at it. And, and this weekend, I thought was quite interesting. We had some tremendous tremendous performances, uh, which really propelled teams through. And, and there's a few players that that got on real real roles here uh, throughout the playoffs. In fact, I I saw some statistics um, actually. Uh, the, the amount of players that were on championship teams, the percentage of championships teams that these players appeared on, uh, it was kind of an interesting list. Um, Stefan Diggs, uh, this is according to ESPN, by the way, Stefan Diggs was on 36% of teams that were in their championship game. That's a, that's a pretty high percentage. James Robinson, 37%. Travis Kelsey was the highest at 38%. 
Um, so I thought that was very interesting to see things like that. I think uh, I think the kicker from the from the Falcons, coup also was was on a tremendous amount of championship teams or or championship. Uh, games, uh, as well as the Rams' defense. You know, we're not really seeing anything as surprises here, but these are guys that were consistent through the year. And that's not to say that a few guys didn't pop up uh, and have some tremendous, uh, out of nowhere, have some tremendous weeks. You know, great performance by Jamison Crowder, for example. Um, you know, you had a lot of different things that happened. So it was a very interesting week 16 uh, for your championships and uh, an exciting year for sure. I mean, I had to sweat through in a couple of instances. I had the Buffalo Bills defense out there against the against the New England Patriots. And, and, and fortunately, uh, that train wreck uh, continued for the Patriots offense. I was able to uh, win a couple of titles as a result. There's a lot of luck involved. Yeah. In that game you won, winning with a sack, yeah. that's all luck. Crazy, I mean, yeah, crazy. You, you know, it comes down to that. It's like, you know, skills out the window, the players are out the window. It's just a, a matter of desire, play calling at the end. Uh, so, you know, there. no matter what you do, uh, at the end of the day, you're going to need an element of luck, too to do well uh, in these things, especially when it comes at the end and uh, all of a sudden a, a players that have done basically nothing for the entire year pop up and become a big factor like a Jeff Wilson did who needed about three other guys on the Niners to get hurt, to get the lion's share of, of the carries. And, uh, and he, you know, he was huge in, uh, in the fantasy football playoffs and uh, it just, uh, it just it just it just goes to show you what could happen. And it's quite amazing this season. I was taking a look back on on, on some of the guys, and you know, I, in the past I have been a little bit more reluctant to you know go go all in at running back. I feel like the running back position is a is a more disposable position in fantasy, and we really show, show, showed that rear its head this year uh, in terms of so many of those key running backs. The McCaffreys, the Barclays, even I would throw Ezekiel Elliott into that because he actually had such a subpar season. But really, you know, the amount of guys that disappointed this year that, you know, guys that went in the first round, we know Mike Thomas was the absolute number one wide receiver this year. And, and the fact that he was a nobody on the fantasy stage for the entire year, we've talked about Julio, Julio Jones ad nauseum here. Um, but yeah, a lot of disappointment. And, and that's that, you know, injuries are part of it, right? You got to get lucky to have a team that kind of gets through somewhat unscathed. But there was a lot of key players that were not a part of, of fantasy football success this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the first round of the, of the snake draft um, going into the season was littered with disappointment, injuries. You could just go up and down the entire list, uh, you know, starting with number one pick in almost every draft, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, like you said, Elliot, Mike Thomas, Julio Jones, uh, you know, towards the end, you know, he, he was he was not even in the fantasy football playoffs. Austin Eckler uh, missed a big chunk of the season, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's about making great picks, and then sometimes it's just about avoiding the horrible injuries, and that's just an element of, you know, of, of real luck. Because another player, uh, you know, who is uh, talked up at the beginning of the year, uh, I know Peter King and Louis Riddick were saying that Clyde Edwards-Alaire should be the number one pick taken, and... Uh, 
he certainly was just okay. He 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 didn't even warrant a second or third round pick. Forget about a, a top five pick. So uh, the first round was littered with players who disappointed in one shape or form. Yeah, and I think you know Wiz and I will probably end up doing some sort of a of a review of of the year. We'll probably talk a little bit about it. Uh, you know, take some inventory. I, I think. I think the one thing that I would advise, um, you know, fantasy players, even though most likely your season's over, you know, do pay attention and hopefully, and Wiz and I are going to do a show on this. We'll, we'll explain to you what we do for our playoffs, uh, some, some interesting options uh, if you want to continue playing. It's uh, something fun that we do each and every year. But I think there's a lot to learn by continuing to watch and figure out what's going on. Uh, obviously, from a DraftKings perspective, you'll probably still be doing that. But I think... Going into next year's fantasy season, you know, sometimes you can learn a lot. And there's and there's some momentum that players who finish the year really strongly, and, and they might not have started this year strong, but they have a good run in the playoffs, and that can feed into the following season. So just because fantasy, quote-unquote, is officially ended, it doesn't mean that your role as a manager is quite ended. I, I, I tend to watch very closely on how guys perform in the playoffs. Yeah, hopefully your league is playing fantasy football playoffs Uh uh, in, 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 in some way, shape, or form. I know uh, I'm in four of my leagues uh, having um, having some form of fantasy football players. We, we do auction style. The other ones are all, uh, uh, you know, snake style. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very interesting, and hopefully, uh, you know, we, we will definitely talk about that next week after the uh, playoff teams are officially announced and we know who's in but yeah we you know do the fantasy football playoffs and hopefully if you listen to the podcast you could try and either talk your league into doing it or getting just a group of your friends and doing it but it's a lot of fun and just because the regular season of the nfl is over doesn't mean that uh, your fantasy football season should be over you should uh, be uh, participating in a postseason uh, draft it's a lot of fun yeah, absolutely. And, and and so, you know, kind of looking back with at, at this past week, um, you know, I think I think the one thing that well, obviously the, the performance of, of of championship history in fantasy football, we saw that on Christmas evening with Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, a, a player who disappointed last year fighting through injuries, but he has had just a dominant year this year. I think he if I'm not mistaken, he leads all running backs and touchdowns. And certainly that was put the exclamation point on it with that six touchdown performance on Christmas night uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Alvin Kamara had an interesting year. He was elite for about the first, you know, eight, nine weeks of the season. Then Drew Brees got hurt, and he did not have the same value with Taysom Hill as quarterback. Taysom Hill was taking a lot of those touchdowns and carries away from him, and he also doesn't have that same rapport with Drew Brees um, that has with Kamara, where he's, you know, dropping him off and catching a lot of passes. It's a different type of game. So he went through that low, and uh, – Man, Breeze came back, and uh, and that led to Kamara just finishing off uh, so strong and being uh, basically a league winner. I mean, if you had Alvin Kamara in your lineup, you'd be almost hard-pressed to lose your fantasy game. But uh, 
but that that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other the other big performance, uh, you know, that that came out of, of this weekend was that Buffalo Bill combination of Josh Allen and, and Stephen Diggs. And Stephen Diggs has just had a, a remarkable season. Uh, I think we can talk a little bit about you know league MVP, which we fluctuated a little early in the season. It looked like Russell Wilson was going to run away with it. Uh, to me, right now, it's a Josh Allen versus uh, Aaron Rodgers situation. As as great as Patrick Mahomes has been at the quarterback position, I think those two guys have just had remarkable seasons uh but yeah Diggs, Diggs, and and Allen they've had a great rapport all season Stephen Diggs uh has set franchise records he's done so much on the football field with Josh Allen it's been it's been a it's been a pretty sight to behold I mean I think Allen had a couple of quiet games in the middle of the year but otherwise he has been as consistent as there is at the position this year and I think the Buffalo Bills right now are arguably playing the best football in the NFL yeah, I think a case could be made for that. Um, I'll tell you what was shocking to see is it was the first time I would say in over a decade that I've been watching closely the Patriots play because, you know, you really concentrate on what they do. And, you know, like the, the recipe that, that Belichick and the Patriots have is, look, you know, you, you could beat us. But we're going to take away what you want to do best, and we're going to stop that at all costs and whatever it, you know, do. We're going to let the others beat us. But my goodness, I mean, I know the Patriots' defense had a, had a several players opt out, and Gilmore missed the game as well. But to see, you know, Diggs to, you know, Allen to Diggs, which is what the Bills want to do, and they've done to everyone, and to see the Patriots unable to stop that. That was that was pretty remarkable. Yeah, the Patriots just, you know, they just looked like a very, very beaten and defeated team, uh, literally and figuratively on, on Monday night. Um, and I know some people probably take great joy in that. And, and this team really lacks, you know, look, it was a problem last year. It was one of the things that, that bothered Tom Brady. There's really no elite skill position talent, uh, you know, especially at receiver or tight end. And they do have some decent running backs here. Uh, you know, as Wiz mentioned, COVID really impacted this defense a bit, but it's still an elite secondary. But, but boy, that was a big-time thumping. And, you know, look, a big statement has been made by the Buffalo Bills in this division. It's a young division. We know about the Miami Dolphins, who who have kind of an interesting situation for this week. Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick came on in that, in that crazy game on Saturday night against the Raiders, you know, brought him back to victory. Uh, but this week, he's not going to be out there. He's tested positive for COVID. They've, they've deemed Tua not a close contact of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we'll have to see. But this is, this is Tua's show this week as the Dolphins head into to uh, the final week of the season. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's great to see Miami in contention. Uh, love the way they finished off the season last year. Love that they had a lot of picks and a, and a rich draft. <clears throat> Thought they did well. Thought they've played well. Um, and you know a great comeback win last week against the Raiders keeps their hopes alive and uh we'll see how they do uh at home against buffalo but uh it's just you know it's probably just the last team that miami would want to play in this game and uh the bills are just on fire i mean they're just unstoppable and unlike pittsburgh the bills are hungry to get that number two seed so it's going to be interesting to see uh to see what happens but however it ends up for the dolphins uh it's been a terrific season for them
Yeah, you talked about the Steelers. I'm a bit puzzled by their decision. Uh, First of all, I'm even more astonished at what transpired on Sunday. Pittsburgh Steelers coming back to win that game. They look dead in the water. Their play calling has been atrocious. Guys dropping footballs, can't run the ball, obviously missing some people on defense. And, you know, the Colts made a lethal mistake in that game. They really abandoned Jonathan Taylor, who was basically running up and down the field against the Steelers. They abandoned him in the second half. And somehow the Colts who are, have the potential to be an 11-5 and five team and not make the playoffs, but they have no one else to blame for themselves than themselves in this particular instance. They should have won that football game. Like I said, Jonathan Taylor was dominating that ball game, and somehow the Steelers got a little fire in their belly, came back to win that game. But, yeah, a little surprising that they're not fighting for that two-seat. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is that is true. But I guess it's more important for them to sit out Roethlisberger. I'm sure they're going to sit out uh, several of their other key players, and um, and then and then hope for the best. But uh, if there were you know fifty thousand fans in either Buffalo or Pittsburgh <clears throat> going to be able to show up, I'm sure they would be not like kind of like handing this game over to Cleveland. Not that they're literally handing it over, but. They're kind of handing over with Mason Rudolph, and if they start trailing, you know, in the game, are they gonna you play any of their guys? I mean, so um, the, the Browns lost a brutal game at home to the Jets last week, but considering how Pittsburgh is planning for this game, um, it would be really disappointing with Cleveland getting all their players back to not be like basically backups at home against the Steelers. Yeah, look, and then the Browns, by the way, uh, you know, look, that's the first game in a while that we've seen really impacted, you know, for a playoff team to be impacted by by COVID, and they really were. You know, they had their whole receiving core basically out of that ball game. Uh, Mayfield was leaning on his tight ends uh, for for majority of that ball game. Austin Hooper had a big game. Uh, They almost pulled it out, but the Jets get their second win of the season. But, yeah, you know, they're getting their players back. And, uh, you know, look, the the Browns have a chance here. They they still have a chance to make the playoffs, uh, something that they have not done in some time. And I think the, the Cleveland fan base is certainly very excited about that. There's no question that. I mean, when you look at the matchups this week, who teams are playing, the team that really looks like they have the, the the most difficult task of making the playoffs is going to be the Dolphins. I mean, the Ravens are playing Cincinnati. The Colts are playing the Jaguars. The, the Browns are playing the Steelers, who are, who are playing their backups. And, and and Miami's playing a hungry Buffalo team who's not conceding anything and wants that number two spot. So um, normally you would have thought maybe the Browns would be in the most difficult spot against a team that has just, you know, owned them. But right now, we, you know, it, it, the most difficult task is going to be for the Dolphins to win that game. Yeah, and let, let me ask you this, was uh, you know, staying in the AFC here, um, uh, you know, we talked about the Bills probably being the hottest team in football right now, but probably one step behind them at the moment is the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson has, has found his uh, 2019 verve. He's, he's kicked it up big time here. The running game with Edwards and Dobbins has been dominating, but this team looks like it means business right now, and I don't think you want to square off against the Baltimore Ravens because right now they're as hot, you know, they're as hot as anybody but Buffalo, I would say, in the NFL. Yeah, and what I really liked about that, what I really like about them coming into the playoffs, assuming that they uh, they they do beat Cincinnati, is 
the fact that they're not considered the arch rival of Kansas City, I, I think they weren't ready for that pressure. And I think, like, now that Buffalo has taken that mantle, I think, you know, the Ravens can kind of get back to not having that pressure. And I think, to your point, I agree. The Ravens get in, they're going to be a new team come the playoffs. So let's flip over to the uh, to the NFC, where we have uh, we've debated all season long about the NFC East. So here we are. We come into the final weekend of the season. Uh, we had said to every, I think we had mentioned this uh, specifically. You talked about the odds of the Eagles winning this division. You thought that was preposterous, and and the Eagles are not part of that equation. We've seen all the drama and injuries around everything that's going on with the Washington Football Team. They released Dwayne Haskins, uh, so we know what's going on there, and the Giants obviously are still in, in in the talk here but the Dallas Cowboys have certainly picked it up here uh Ezekiel Elliott came back from from his missed game the previous week he had over 100 yards biggest game of the season by Andy Dalton he got all his playmakers involved in that game uh, between Gallup Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and right now the Cowboys look like the team to beat now whether it works out that way because there's gonna they're gonna need some help because they have to win that football game but it's quite interesting the way this is kind of developed in the in the NFC East coming down to the final week of the season this, without question, is the most interesting storyline, and I could think of at least a hundred reasons why. Uh, first of all, um, Andy Dalton has in his contract, uh, if he becomes the starter and the Cowboys make the playoffs, he gets a one million dollar bonus. So, to say to you know that this is a big game for him on a few different levels, I mean, you know, players, don't, you know, they don't think about money. How could you not think about a guy like Andy Dalton getting, you know, coming in as a backup and a million dollar bonus kicking in if they could beat the Giants and the Eagles can beat the Washington football team? That's number one. But I'll tell you the thing that that that, that causes me, you know, to to have concern still is this is what the Cowboys do. They disappoint, they disappoint, they disappoint. Then all of a sudden, they you know they get on a hot streak, and then when everyone thinks, oh yeah, they're gonna go in, they're gonna win, and the Eagles are gonna win their game, and and the Cowboys are gonna get in the place. This is exactly when the Cowboys disappoint. So I haven't really, really thought about that game against the Giants, but I would be by no means shocked if they lose to the Giants. But the, but another great storyline is, is is what potentially could happen here. Just think about this. If the Cowboys do win that game, think about the Drew Pearson at the at the draft with his destroying speech of the Eagles and then Akers coming on there. Could you imagine this of all things that the Cowboy Nation will if they win all hopes will be on the Eagles of all things to win. I mean, talk about the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. This is an incredible potential storyline here where the Cowboys are going to need the Eagles to help them. Yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy. And then, and the Giants, by the way, are still alive. They've kind of gone in the tank here. By the way, a very interesting statistic on Daniel Jones. He is 4-0 and in his career against the Washington football team. And the rest of the starts that he has made... Against the rest of the NFL, he's three and eighteen. So there's some numbers for you. 
Yeah, I mean the Giants are in the exact same situation the Cowboys are. They they win and the and, and Eagles win. They're in the playoffs. So yeah, the Eagle, the Giants, and the Cowboys have the exact same likelihood of of making the playoffs. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that game against the Cowboys is basically a pick 'em game. Uh, like I said, I haven't really delved into the the game to think about who I like to win that game. But yeah, I mean the Cow the Giants have as much chance of making the playoffs as the Cowboys do at this point. I mean, this is what the Cowboys do. Uh, they get the hopes up, and then they play a clunker. So uh, as bad as the Giants have looked, all it takes is uh, <clears throat> one good game at home to turn it around. Uh, let's talk about another team, Wiz, that's really turned around uh, its it, it, it situation for the 2020 season. Uh, we had the Chicago Bears basically dead and buried. Um, Matt Nagy decided to relinquish play calling. Probably a very wise decision because he was not very good at it, uh, despite the fact that he worked uh, under Andy Reid. Uh, and, and since that time, Mitch Trubisky has come back after Nick Foles got hurt. And this combination between Trubisky and Robinson has been red hot. We know that Montgomery has been one of the hotter running backs in the league and now because of the way things have worked out the Chicago Bears with a win would make the NFC playoffs Uh, quite an amazing turnaround but a nice story nonetheless to see Trubisky turn his season around which really looked like it was going nowhere and the Bears kind of pick up where they left off in 2018 where this was an offense that you were kind of impressed with with the direction that was heading in it completely went belly up last year, but quite the turnaround in this 2020 season for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, the Bears are really motivated for this game. Not only is their offense hitting on all cylinders, like you said, with that, you know, Trubisky and um, and, and Allen Robinson and Montgomery has just been absolutely fantastic the last several weeks. But like, you know, Jimmy Graham's had a resurgence and Cole Komet's been, you know, doing things from time to time. So their offense is picking it up and their defense got humiliated when they played at Lambeau earlier this year. So this game, the Bears are going to be ready to play this game. And uh, I know Green Bay is, you know, a lot of stuff that they're Rodgers MVP and now the the Packers are the best team in football, all of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I think the Packers need to be on upset alert. Uh, I know they're listed as about a five, five and a half point favor in that game, but uh, Chicago is going to come to play and they are playing well and their defense has to be angry at what Green Bay did to them earlier this year. Yeah, I haven't checked to see uh, if the weather's going to be a part of it, but we know Aaron Rodgers uh, kind of sloughed off that snow on on Monday night. But yeah, the Bears are the Bears are playing well. Now let's look about let's look at this last situation, which is kind of a remarkable. Now it looks like that Kyler Murray is actually heading in the right direction to play. But boy, oh boy, uh, first of all, the Rams played horrifically uh, against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Uh, you get Jared Goff breaking his thumb. You've got Cooper Cup with COVID. And here it is. It's basically a playing game between the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. And this is quite a remarkable story in itself where you're going to have a player who's never taken an NFL snap, uh, going to be quarterbacking for the Los Angeles Rams this week. Not a great situation for the Rams. I think Sean McVay has been as disappointing a coach, despite the talent that they have on offense. I think Sean McVay has not recovered from that Super Bowl loss. And I don't know what he's doing on that sidelines, but he's certainly not doing a good job running this team and running this offense. And not only is Goff out, not only is Cup look like he's going to be out, they, there's a chance Akers misses the game. They're down to their third and fourth string running backs. Um, 
But I have confidence in the quarterback, actually. Uh, I think the way Jared Goff was playing, um, he was just killing them. I mean, he, he you know, the Rams were in the red zone enough to win that game against the Seahawks, and he made dumb play after dumb play Jared Goff I'm talking about and, and didn't take those precious points when they were there. When you have an elite defense like the Rams do, my goodness, it's wonderful to score touchdowns, but you have got to be – careful with that football and he just wasn't and uh i agree with you that you know the rams in general have not played up to potential but sean McVay has never lost to the cardinals i think he's seven in all lifetime against them so um i'm kind of liking the rams in this game wow okay <laughs> very interesting very very interesting look you're gonna have a lot yeah, of I think we may have an upgraded quarterback this week believe it or not uh, he could run a little bit um he may be more careful with the ball i mean you, you may see uh the rams make the playoffs and have a little bit of a quarterback controversy coming into the first week of the playoffs uh if jared goff is not 100 percent and uh and walford plays really really well which 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 could happen yeah look i'll tell you i i think i think in the last couple of seasons with these big contracts, we've talked about this where I've been, that have been extended to these quarterbacks. You know, you look at a guy, and, and I'm curious to know what you think. You know, where where, where do you think potential landing spots are going to be for a player like a player like Carson Wentz? And actually, New England actually is one of those teams that does come to mind as as a potential landing spot for Carson Wentz. But you know, Jared Goff, another quarterback, was given this big contract, and he's really played terribly the last two seasons. Just Tons of inconsistency from that from that position. If one of the starting, if one of these four players is not the starting quarterback for the Patriots next year, I will be shocked. Either Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, or Jimmy Garoppolo. If one of those four is not the starter for the Patriots next year, I will be shocked. You know, they, they just have got to release. They're going to release, I'm, I'm assuming, Cam Newton. And Stidham is is just not the answer. I'm sure that's the reason they signed Cam Newton in the offseason, because they, they realized what kind of player they had there. So there's a, a chance to get themselves a really good quarterback. And I'm, I'm not putting... I'm not putting Garoppolo and Wentz in the category of Stafford or Matt Ryan by any means. But Carson Wentz with a new start, a new lease on life, could kind of do for the Patriots what like Trubisky is doing with the Bears, where you sit out, you take your lumps emotionally, you, you know, you, you, and you learn from it. So I think he can be have a fresh start. Garoppolo's got that experience. Belichick loves the quarterback. So I think there's a I think there's a chance that um I I think there's a there's a there's a real chance that uh that that he can you know be go back to New England next year uh, so I just think they got to scrap what they have and get one of those quarterbacks and I agree with you Wentz would make sense the difficulty with Wentz as opposed to the other guys is the big contract that he has attached to him. Yeah, it's kind of re- kind of remarkable. By the way, th- it reminds me. This is this is for the Jet fans out there, and, and I think you'll find this amusing, Wiz, as well. Uh, so, I think if I'm not mistaken, Dak Prescott played three and a half games this year. Is that correct, or did he play? Did he actually play four and a half? I, I don't. I don't because he got knocked I out. Think he, I want to say he got hurt in the fifth game. I'm not, okay. I'm not sure. It's way it's 
it's one of those games. Okay, so I, I I wasn't sure it was the fourth or fifth, but nonetheless, I actually was told about this by somebody. Sam Donald in eleven games does not have as much does not have more fantasy points than Dak Prescott had in his very short stint as quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys this year. <laughs> if you're a Jet fan, I mean, in fantasy is one thing, but that's kind of a funny stat. The Jets, you know, we'll, we'll certainly be talking a lot, a lot about the upcoming draft, which, you know, we love, we love talking about the draft and that's kickstarts the upcoming season. But the fact that the Jets are in this spot at the number two spot where there are about a million and a half things they could do with that number two spot, but one of them is not getting Trevor Lawrence is going to make this draft so, so interesting. And the Jets have got to make a decision what they want to do with quarterback going forward. So uh, there, there's a lot of things for the Jets to consider and a lot of things that they consider doing with that number two pick. And I'm curious, Wiz, so if we assume that Trevor Lawrence goes to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's got offensive talent, right? They, they've, got young, they've got young receivers. They've got an undrafted rookie running back who broke all kinds of records for undrafted players uh, who had a very good season. They actually have a decent offensive line. We won't see the same head coach or GM. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if that actually comes into play. And there's a tricky situation here because this is a fan base that's not exactly a strong one, right? They play three games, I think, now in London once we get back to normal, if you will. So this is a kind of an interesting one. You know, Trevor Lawrence obviously will have some allure, some coach. Coaches are going to really love coaching a player like that, uh, you know, but it won't be Doug Marone coaching him. And, and, you know, like I said, there'll be a new GM here. So it'll be interesting to see which direction that the Jacksonville Jaguars do move in in the offseason. I think a number of these coaching situations are, are, are going to be, you know, we mentioned Biennemi a bunch of times. And there's a, a couple of jobs between the we think Anthony Lynn will lose his job for the for the for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, obviously, the Texans are going to have to make a decision around Romeo Cornell, but De- Deshaun Watson's there. And then you, if you, if we are anticipating Lawrence being in Jacksonville, you have three young quarterbacks uh, that you know really make the coaching job that much more enticing, especially for an offensive-minded coach. Yeah, I agree. They, 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 they just—I mean, the, the game has changed, um, and the, the guy running the show really either has to be an offensive mind himself, or they have to have an elite offensive guy calling the plays and. Um, the, the one situation that there isn't like in a, you know, like if you look at Kansas City, they have offensive minds. Lafleur, Green Bay, offensive minds. Peyton with the Saints, offensive mind. McVay with the Rams. The the one team that doesn't, but they got a great offensive coordinator, is the Bills. So I, I think the Jags need to get an offensive minded coach in there, especially when you're taking Trevor Lawrence with that first pick and you, you, you need somebody that could come in there with him and say, okay, from an organizational standpoint, you're going to be our quarterback the next 10 years at least, and we're going to bring a coach and he's going to be our guy. And that's what a young quarterback needs. He needs stability. And if you look at Sam Donald, it's been the complete opposite of that. Has he played great? No. But organizationally, the giant, the Jets have been horrendous too with their coaching and all the changes they make. So you want to do, you want to look at what the Jets have done with Sam Donald, and then you want to do the complete opposite of that. That should be the template to do, to, to not do 
in the NFL what the Jets have done with Sam Donald. And guess what? Next year will be another head coach. I don't know if Sam Donald will be there um, or not. It depends on what the Jets plan on doing that number two pick. But it, there are going to be a lot of coaching changes. And uh, I just think the way the game is today, you've got to bring an offensive mind in. Yeah, no question. The game is very different. And I think, you know, we've had a lot of players. There's, look, there's a lot of coaches in the NFL that are meant to be coordinators and others that are meant to be head coaches. And I think we've seen some good examples of that. There are some of these head coaches that are way in over their heads as head coaches right now. Time, man- I mean, watching the Chargers and time management has got to be one of the most frustrating things. And by the way, that's not just subject to these young coaches because I think a guy like John Gruden and, you know, I, I'm pretty angry at, at, first of all, the way they've used a player like Josh Jacobs this year. I think John Gruden's been back for three years now, and the Raiders have done nothing different. In fact, John Gruden looks lost out there on the sidelines sometimes. You know, we get amused by him and stuff like that, but I think John Gruden might have been better off staying in that Monday Night Football booth than coming back to the sidelines because they're just not getting it done there. And I think there's decisions to make there because there is offensive talent there. But boy, oh boy, I, that, that's another situation where, you know, he's got this big fat contract. But John Gruden has done squats since he's come back to the Raiders. All right, so that's going to be a wrap for uh, Guru and Wiz for for this week. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, We will be coming back with a recap. Uh, We did the recap show. We will be coming up with a preview show for Week 17. We'll talk about player props, DraftKings. We will do some love them and leave them for for some of those guys. But hopefully, like I said, you're not playing a league where fantasy is actually relevant in Week 17 because there's too many variables with players sitting and all that sort of stuff. So, Anyway, it's been a fun season. Uh, Wiz, enjoy your New Year's Eve. And Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast again. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. And we are on Apple Podcasts. But have yourself a good night. And uh, we look forward to catching up uh, before the Week 17 games kick off. You got it.